You're listening to Brand to Brand, the marketing show. With your hosts, Thomas Sterling. This is the future. This is where everything goes. And Veronica St. Cyr. Why the hell would anybody buy this? An unfiltered conversation on brand strategy. And it worked like crazy. Marketing trends. I think they're in again. And emerging technology. There's going to be big impacts here. You're excited. I'm pumped. (laughs) All right, let's kick things off. Brand to brand season three. We're back in the studio. Can you believe it, Veronica? I can't believe that they haven't stopped us from being able to do this. <laughs> How are we still got allowed to do this? some voicemails from the government. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, like, we, we could get shut down at any moment. Who knows? We could. Spy or we're not getting wild enough on the show. That could be it. We're keeping oh, it too safe. Oh, you're right. Back in the studio, kicking off season three. This season, we got way more brand news, more emerging market trends, mistakes business leaders are making, bad jokes from you, Veronica. Excuse me. I think that's <laughs> I think that's relative to what your perception of good comedy is, Thomas. Oh, geez. <laughs> First, I have to say, yeah. we since we took a break. Brands have been fucking up. So this has been really good for business for us because there is a lot for us to talk about. Job security. (laughs) With the rise of social media and consumer behavior leading into sometimes a ruthless desire for authenticity and corporate responsibility, we're going to be talking today about why brands really need to consider what leadership's role in all of that is. I think expectations for leaders has really never been higher. And CEOs and leaders in general, they're in the spotlight. Mm, Whether they like it or not. And I think with that, let's get into it. It's a little bit of shake and then shake. Shake and shake. Disney versus Starbucks. What's it going to be? I'm taking Starbucks. Uh, and I'm nice. gonna, is that I'm, what you're drinking? Is I'm that gonna, a cappuccino? Oh, yeah. It's a double venti in mm, a yep. grande cup. It looks it like it. physics. <laughs> Starbucks is, did you know this? Now I'm just going to quiz you. It's just mm. trivia time. Pop quiz. Um, did you know Starbucks was the world's largest coffee house chain? In what year? In the now. In the today. <laughs> in, in, in the in right, now. right now. I was imagining there's just so much rising competition in that space that, they're, that you know, they could be t- potentially unseated. So the way you phrased the question, you could have said, you know, what's their market share look like compared with X, Y, or Z? Oh, you I think might that's the question have, I'm going to no, ask? I'm, no, I'm saying I probably would have said, I don't know, maybe they got unseated by another brand. <laughs> Good for them that they're still reigning supreme because it feels to me like there's more coffee there competition is? than ever before. There definitely is. Starbucks began in 1982. Um, When Starbucks had only four stores, the CEO that we're going to be talking about today, interim CEO right now, Mm. uh, Howard Schultz, actually moved to... He's back again. Again! (laughs) (laughs) Um, He moved to Seattle. He joined the company as director of operations, uh, and he took over the marketing. He started growing the company from, again, just four stores. Mm -hmm. He stepped down in 2000 as CEO to work on helping the company expand globally. Uh, Meanwhile, Starbucks has two other CEOs. He then comes back as CEO in 2008 during the height of the recession. I just imagine him like swinging in from the rafters to like save the day. Hard times for the company. He then retired for the company in 2018 and was like, I will never come back. 
plot twist. He came back again. He's like the Tom Brady of making coffee. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Too oh, soon? <laughs> no, not soon enough. Do you think we Tom Brady, do you think he might come back from retirement again, again? That would be crazy if he did again, again. <laughs> um, so Howard retires 2018. He then rejoins as interim CEO and a member of the company's board of directors, kind of like after COVID in April of 2022. He says it's really only going to be a year. That, that he's going to do this. And he gave himself an annual salary of $1. Um, he actually considered a presidential bid at one point before he came back. He wanted to run as an independent and he denounced Trump in what he called revenge politics. Oh boy. So this is such an interesting person because he had this persona when he was at the company as, I mean, he is credited with growing Starbucks into the world's largest coffee chain. They called him Uncle Howard. You know, he was this guy that everybody trusted. But now what's interesting is he is back again. He's kind of making some changes. But even though some of them seem to be in the interest of employees, with so many employees being less than a year at Starbucks, they see him, it's a younger generation, as this rich guy they're suspicious of. I think it's got to be hard if you're Howard, kind of walking back into that role with so much. I mean, this guy was a beloved business leader, and he made a lot of decisions over the years, really taking care of the team at Starbucks. But you work and you come in and there's a new batch of people and there's been a lot of turnover. In some ways, you lose a lot of that goodwill. Bob Iger, on the other end, Disney CEO. He was the former and current, yep, retired, came back, <laughs> chairman and CEO of Walt Disney. He served from 2005 to 2020. During his tenure, he was responsible for a tremendous amount of innovation and evolution at Disney. And if we think about Disney at the turn of the century, they were still doing hand-drawn animation. And then comes an acquisition of Pixar, then Marvel, then Lucasfilms, then 21st Century Fox. And now with Disney Plus, I mean, they have really created a juggernaut of a creative brand. What, did he just retire like right before COVID too in 2020? Yeah. <laughs> Somehow. This guy must have had a crystal ball or something. I feel like cryogenically just... <laughs> frozen Walt Disney was like, go. <laughs> he just heard it on the wind. Yeah. And then Listen when the pandemic. the colors on the wind. When the pandemic <laughs> was over, he said, come back. Come back. <laughs> no, actually, we need you. <laughs> well, I think before even the return, I mean, he was absolutely a beloved leader while he was there, but he had a hand-picked successor, Bob Chapek, that took over during the worst of the pandemic and then had some challenges as a leader, over-invested in certain categories. I mean, Bob Iger has made all these acquisitions, made all these investments in Disney Plus, and then Disney kind of continued to really invest in Disney Plus. And then you hit the Q4 earnings call of 2022, and that's when the board and investors were like, you know what, other oh. Bob, can we get the other Bob back? <laughs> what about Bob? <laughs> I mean, it's been kind of an interesting thing because when you talk about leadership as well, I think in some ways there's been some talk that people have said that Bob Iger in some ways undermined his handpicked successor and then Ooh. was quick to come back. So I don't know, does anyone want to work under Bob Iger now? I feel like he's lost a lot of goodwill. And this is a guy I personally have respected but that's just got to be tough. Mm. But he's in there just trying to clean up the pieces for Disney. Uh, I think we actually have a clip about that, too, about some of the challenges that he faced coming back. Yeah, let's do it. And the honeymoon period is pretty much over. The stock did not maintain that little bit of a pop it got 
<clears throat> when he came back. And there are going to be some very big decisions that have to happen in 2023. Namely, I think the first thing he's going to do is going to rip up the changes to the structure of Disney that Bob Chapek instituted, you know, putting all of the creative decisions under this distribution arm that kind of took power away from the creative people. That's going to be gone. All of that's gone. He's going to have to probably do some significant cost cutting and reorient this company around building revenue from the streaming services, not just subscribers. And I mean, when you think about it, if you just look at the numbers game, Disney, I, I read one stat, spends twice as much as Netflix does on creative. And I don't know if you've noticed lately when you put up Netflix, you're like, where'd all the good stuff oh my, go? What is going on? <laughs> I feel like they're, are, are they making us stupider or are we getting stupider and they're giving us what I we want? Oh no! All the top 10 stuff too. They're oh like, my, this is the best you that's, got? That's the top 10? <laughs> Anyway, needless to say, I think to Iger's credit, he's always said Disney's number one thing is to be a creative organization. Mm. He even says in his daily routine as a leader, he wants to touch and see and be a part of one piece of creative every day because he doesn't necessarily want to lose it. And so, yeah, it sounds like they made some changes to the way that they manage the creative and in some ways to a detriment, but I think it more so comes down to dollars and cents here. Yeah, well, it's also something to note of when you come back, right? It's like the, the comeback for these CEOs for both Disney and Starbucks. What is that first move that you make? And mm. it sounds like he's coming out swinging. Howard Schultz, Starbucks, uh, also came out swinging with something very interesting. And he is controversial for so many different ways and reasons. He seems like... On the surface, he's this kind of really cool, relatable guy, power to the people. But with what's going on with Starbucks unionization efforts right now in some mm. of the stores in the U.S. at least, there's some tumultuous feelings around yeah. his name. Um, I think what's interesting, we actually have a clip from a Wall Street Journal podcast about kind of what his first move was coming back as CEO this time around. A few weeks ago, Howard Schultz came back to Starbucks after five years away, once again taking up the role of CEO this time with an annual salary of $1. And he said that one of his priorities was investing more in workers. After many meetings with employees around the country, Schultz recorded a video where he said the company needed to do more. For example, this summer, Starbucks says it will raise wages to $17 an hour. The company also said it recently added 70 recruiters to help with staffing, and that it's hiring an average of 5,000 new workers a week. Schultz still thinks that Starbucks can solve this problem on its own, without unions. He points out that some of the stores that are voting to unionize have pretty low voter turnout. And he made a big move on his first day as CEO. Schultz announced that Starbucks would cancel a stock buyback plan. It was supposed to be a reward for shareholders. When a company buys back shares, it usually makes the stock price go up. So billions of dollars of buybacks, he said, we are, instead of sending this money to shareholders, we're going to invest this into our cafe's employees. Bold move coming right out of the gate and saying, you know, big middle finger shareholders, I'm putting this money back in my people. Reinvesting. You still don't hear about him being celebrated as the CEO of the people. And I don't know if he's being undercut by this unionization mm. movement that he for so long has said it's the company's responsibility to take care of employees so unions don't happen. So he kind of has been seen as anti-union. Mm -hmm. Could be part of it. One of the 
things I appreciate about Starbucks is they have been a shining example where a unionization maybe wasn't necessary. And in this mm-hmm. case, it's because they've historically treated their team, their partners, partners. so well. <laughs> and that was atypical. Oh, yeah. But because there's been so much wage growth last year, because there's been so many changes, I imagine the average partner slash barista is saying, not enough, not soon enough. And so this guy that has put so much of his life into Starbucks come back on at a dollar salary because he owns a lot of the stock and he needs the stock to go up. That's obviously the long game. He's trying to take care of them and maybe it's just falling a little bit flat because he just maybe seems like, a Starbucks from the past yeah. and not the Starbucks of the future. Well, it's interesting, too, because both of the CEOs representing the brands are talking about had a, I don't want to say famous, but notable moment of the CEO calling workers back to the office that caused some upset among people, which is so fascinating how they can do all this great stuff and be so dedicated to the creative process and to their employees and giving them great benefits. And they make one little false move and the public be taking them down. And that's what happened in both of these cases. I think we actually have a clip of what went on with uh, your buddy Bob Iger at Disney. Iger, who's already signaled cost cutting will be top of mind of the new year now says it's time to return to the office. Starting March 1st, employees are expected to be back, the boss writing in a memo obtained by Yahoo Finance, quote, in a creative business like ours, nothing can replace the ability to connect, observe, create with peers that comes from being physically together. I wonder if Bob Iger knows something that we don't know. It's going to be interesting to see on March 1st if it actually happens. I know Apple, a lot of other businesses have uh, tried the same thing and the team has not come back. Well, my buddy Howard at Starbucks had a similar, I don't want to say incident, but he put out what uh, one news article called an antagonistic memo via email. This was my favorite quote of the entire memo. Uh, It's a little creepy. He said, I've pleaded with them. I said, I'll get on my knees. I'll do push-ups. I'll do whatever you want. And I love the headline just selected the I'll get on my knees part. It's like the bold part of the quote. And I was like, what? (laughs) Kind of a weird tone. Um, So, yeah, he's joining the suite of companies uh, that are bringing their people back. But he seems to be doing it in a way where he is... Again, I don't know what it's like to be in in his mind. He's like one to two days a week. Come on, that's nothing. I think one other challenge that both of these leaders have is they are of a certain age. And in some cases, it's the difference between when Biden goes on TV Mm. and Obama went on TV. And if you're thinking about, especially for Starbucks, younger workforce that are Gen Z and millennial, some some of these people are tuning out no matter how good they are at what they do. They're just struggling to resonate. And I think these are both distinguished business leaders, business leaders we could all learn something from, but they're struggling with some of that relatability, Mm -hmm. that R factor. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, yes, authenticity is an important piece of it too, but I think that's a very hard part of it as well. It's how, as Gen Z and millennials become a dominant player in the workforce, Mm -hmm. expectations are changing and leaders are struggling to meet that expectation. So if we were going to talk about any other brands on the show, what would it be? We cannot talk about anything to do with a personal brand or how a CEO brands themselves as it relates to the brand of their company without talking about the Goldman Sachs CEO, a.k.a. DJ D. <laughs> Soul, who played a gig at Lollapalooza. 
the CEO of a banking institution mm. is a D like moonlights as a DJ. That is fucking bananas. What the, I had no idea this was a thing. However, one interesting part of this that nobody talks about is allegedly he donates all of the proceeds mm. of his DJ efforts through payback records to institutions that fight against addiction, which is interesting. Like you don't hear that. That's not part of the story. People are just like, ah, rich banker thinks he can do something cool on the side. Fuck him. And I totally get it. Like, look, his, <laughs> his salary was cut by like, it was something like $25 million this year. Mm. And Instagram, Twitter, TikTok exploded being like, ah, oh, I guess he's going to have to pick up a, few a lot of DJ gigs. gigs. <laughs> I thought you were going to say Elon Musk when you said we had to talk about just because, you know, we love That's Elon on one. the show. Uh, you love Elon on the show. Oh, I love talking about him. There's a lot to talk about. There's always more. I mean, Elon Musk and his Twitter takeover has been tremendously wrought with challenges. It's pissed off Tesla owners. It has caused major shareholders to question whether or not he can be responsible. I mean, can you imagine? He's a very busy guy. He's got all of these businesses that are underneath him and he's so much on public display. Mm -hmm. The guy needs to quit Twitter. If he just stopped doing Twitter, you can still operate it. Just stop Tweeting. Stop <laughs> tweeting. You will be fine. But it's such good content. No, it's not. I mean, he got brought up yeah, on you stage. You hate him for that reason. He got brought up on stage before a Dave Chappelle show in San Francisco and got booed off stage. Like, do you need <laughs> any more proof that your brand is tanking? Uh, but he's such an amazing innovator. He just needs to hide from the camera and delete Twitter. <laughs> I rest my case. And now for something completely different. So if we had to put this to work, I would say as leaders, number one, leadership in some ways has never been harder because we have a wider reach. We're more visible, we're more accountable, and social media allows us to hit a more diverse audience. Some audiences that maybe never were tuning in before. I think secondly, because of that, we're on display, and so there's greater scrutiny and criticism across the board, and people are paying attention to our decision-making and our leadership style. Ultimately, social media makes it easier to go viral, and usually you go viral when something doesn't go well. A bad business decision, a bad merger, and if anything, this highlights more than ever the importance for leaders to have a clear, well-defined personal brand, and that Ultimately, they also need to be good at effectively communicating and managing crisis because that is what leadership is today. The best way to get something done, if you, if you hold near and dear to you, that you uh, um, like to be able to... Anyway. Sorry, Joe. Well, V, if you had to take anything away from the show today, what would it be? Maybe it's a good time to retire if you have a questionable hobby or just lean into it. Double down. If you like doing weird <laughs> shit, do it. Don't care like if people on a podcast are going to judge you. Live your life. <laughs> and mine would be, we are living through a time of hyperpolarization, but at the end of the day, the cream is going to rise to the top. So if you're a good leader, you got nothing to worry about. And with that, we're out, folks. Thanks for listening. If you liked what you heard, smash the subscribe button or listen wherever you get your podcasts. We're out of here.